Good morning and good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the next edition of Dream Reality with Aiden Consulting. This is a podcast series that where we talk to business leaders and contributors from around the world on different topics, topics that can really create a change, are seeing this as an opportunity for change during the last 18 months of the pandemic. So we like to talk to innovators, creators, disruptors, and just anyone who has an opinion, because we all love an opinion. But over the last 18 months, it's been quite a period of change for the majority of us. And whether that's moving our shopping online, whether it's homeschooling the kids, or having to interact socially with our family and friends in a different way, there has been a big period of change. And change is something that usually as humans, we're really uncomfortable with and we go underneath the duvet and hide for a little while. But right now, over the last 18 months, we've really embraced it. We have changed so much. We have gone to the next level. And so we're talking to a whole heap of people over this 12-week series that will really help you think about how you can continue this change into the future to make a better future for everyone. And today we are talking to Gronje. And Gronje is the Principal and CSR Specialist at GMC, GMJ, that's very hard to say, Associates. She's also a lecturer at, on the Trinity MBA and Griffith College, and she is a specialist on CSR. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So Gronje, do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself? Sure. Okay. Lovely to be with you here today, Alison. Um, yeah, well, I've been working in this area now for whoa, 18 years. Um, and maybe I suppose I've, I've got a real belief that um, business is in a position to help us solve real big world problems. I, I don't think that probably business is the most power to do it, actually. And, you know, we've, we've had a reliance on governments and on charities to do it for a long time. And actually, it hasn't been working. Um, so I've always had this view that business is um, really part of the solution, as well as obviously sometimes being part of the problem. Um, so I suppose my background in terms of how did I get here in, into getting involved in this, I was um, working in the kind of the corporate world and doing the corporate career ladder piece. And I had been working in sales and I was working in various different management roles and looking after various different projects. And I got the chance uh, very fortunately, actually, to be sponsored to do an MBA back in, I'm horrified to even think about it now, but I graduated in 2000. Um, you know, in, maybe it's Mary only was. yesterday. Yeah, <laughs> it feels like only yesterday is the thing. But it was it, during that time, I became really interested in why, initially why some companies were managing to avoid big scandals. We had, we had a number of big scandals happened around that time. And I kind of started looking at, well, how come some companies get themselves into trouble and others don't? And that started my journey really with business ethics. So it's it started with a business ethics inquiry, which then became my thesis and then went into further research afterwards. And of course, as part of all that, this thing I hadn't heard about before called CSR came up and I got really, really interested in that. And essentially, um, a couple of years after that, I left, went out on my own, set up GMJ Associates and um, it's moved on since then. So there are kind of various different elements that I get involved in in terms of essentially corporate responsibility. So it's about being responsible business or responsible organization. I also do a lot of, a lot of work with not-for-profits. Um, and it's, so I, I'm actually not a huge fan of the term CSR. 
Um, and I'll tell you why. When I use that term with people, um, particularly in Ireland, I find that it tends to be conflated with charity. Ooh. And yeah. it's seen as a charitable thing. It's seen as a charity thing that companies do after they've done the real stuff in many cases. Now, that's not in all cases, to be fair, but mm -hmm. in many cases it is. And I suppose for me, because of, of working with MBA students and lecturing postgraduate students, it gives me a fantastic opportunity to get some insight into what people are thinking. It's not just my perspective, yeah. and it's not just my generation's perspective that I'm getting that, that opportunity to, to get that kind of feedback. And quite often when I, I find when I start with a class, They'll be telling me about all the nice things their companies have been doing and all the good things like going and picking up litter, fine, or going and painting a homeless shelter or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. um, and I really see CSR as being much more fundamentally about how you run your business. It's, it's you know, there's, a, there's an old phrase about it, it's, it's how you make your money, not what you do giving away that money. Mm -hmm. um, now, there can be a role for giving away and a bit of philanthropy as well, but I think it needs to be a much more integrated. This is how we do business view of the world. That's so interesting. And, you know, if I think, you know, this is going to be a really interesting discussion because the whole concept of people's perception of CSR and the way you're you're talking about it just really shows the the maybe the level of misunderstanding or the different facets of it and what people are embracing um and definitely certainly when i was researching a little bit ahead of of our discussion today because I, I do do a little bit of research might not seem it sometimes but i i do and i just was like this is just growing and growing and growing and growing. And I was just like, how are we going to fit all this in? So we, you know, I think that this is maybe something that will have to be revisited. But I think as well, just to touch on that, and, you know, I think something that has become really apparent through my series so far is that almost everyone that I've spoken to has had some kind of career change or, or, or pivot or something has changed. And what is really, and that has been completely by accident, by the way, because we've spoken to, you know, people of completely different ages in completely different industries and in different countries, completely by accident. And I had no idea. And as well, the other thing is that the driver for it was really a purpose or their interest in every single case. And here we have it again with you and I think that that's really something that people can take to heart that you know that's yes you can start your career and yes that's where you maybe learn a lot of skills and things but I think that that concept that maybe a certain generation were told that this is a job for life mm -hmm. actually that's maybe not really true because we're not really doing that job for life anymore even now and yet we're you know speaking bad of maybe millennials and gen z that jump maybe a little bit more but we you know, a lot of people are changing jobs and are very purpose driven. And it's maybe just we're talking about it a little bit more that really brings it to light. And I think that's very, very interesting. And I think that purpose driven piece is actually something very important as well in, in the corporate responsibility mm -hmm. area is that and if you know if for somebody who is kind of, you know, in the position of running a large scale business and is dealing with people jumping a bit more. Yeah. Um, 
that's one of the kind of crucial differences I think they can make in their business is being very clear about what the business purpose is. But that's, if you like, that's the bedrock of everything yeah. that you're doing and why you're doing it. And that's a really important piece to articulate. And I do some work sometimes with CEOs and getting them to articulate that. And they find it terribly difficult. They do a lot of, they can tell you a lot about, you know, what they do and how they do it, but not why they do it. Yeah. And it's that purpose piece, that why, that I think just shifts the whole view of the organization and particularly for millennials. I was actually speaking at a conference in Trinity a couple of years ago and one of my co-panelists, and I keep on saying I must chase this down and get the, the actual source of the research. She, she works in employer branding. Okay. And she was saying that for, for, for companies have a clearly articulated purpose, they actually hold on to their younger staff for an average of five years compared to an average of three years. So it That's actually makes very a difference. Very interesting. Mm. Wow. Yeah. And that makes so much sense, you know, because we are so purpose driven and, you know, it really, that, that doesn't seem like a surprise, but as well, again, it seems kind of obvious, but yet we're not really doing it. Yes. Yeah. You know, but to jump into some of our questions specifically around CSR, um, you know, CSR, it is this, you know, it's thrown around and, and I love that you kind of want it to shift and you know the explanation and the understanding of the term to shift but is this just a marketing ploy or is this something that you know something that you know they can advertise we do this and we do this and this is our CSR and it's in all the annual reports and things like that and it's getting more pages in the annual reports as well well, hopefully, yeah. I mean, some of, some places have had you know separate sustainability or separate CSR mm-hmm. reports, and we we are seeing a shift towards integrated reporting where it goes yeah. with the annual report. That so that can be that can be a big ask for co- companies. There's a lot of data to gather, yes. and, you've, and you've got a legal responsibility on your annual report, so yeah. it, it can be quite a shift. But you know, is it, it is it something they can use as PR? I I, I think that this is maybe that there's a whole myriad of of issues here. It's a really interesting question. Um, yes, I think it can be used as PR, mm-hmm. and I would actually make an argument that if you're doing it well, it should be used as PR, mm-hmm. um, and that it will only really work as PR if there is a strong, genuine alignment between the, the CSR program or the, I tend to talk about it as being additional programs for social goods that a company mm-hmm. might be involved in, and, and what the company's core business is, and the people get that, they can see yep. that. If it's if it's just a, a sort of a, a bit of a charity throwaway at the end of the year and your staff are seen actually you know, they're being really nice to people they don't know but actually they're not treating us terribly well yeah um that you know mm-hmm. that's not corporate responsibility and therefore you've actually created a really cynical staff who are saying they're they're just doing this for the PR yeah it's it's a very interesting area I. I find, again, I suppose it's working with students, which is great because you get mm-hmm. sometimes this comment about, oh, they're only doing that for the, you know, for the PR or they're only doing it to look good. Um, and maybe they're not only doing it to look good. I mean, I think of a really well aligned with the business purpose actually is giving your staff opportunities to develop and to, you know, to, to actually find new opportunities for the company and all kinds of things. But I, I actually have a belief that if you're um, a manager in a business, you actually have a moral responsibility to shout about your CSR. And let me explain why I say that. We, we, most, reli- most world religions teach that we should give alms quietly and we don't boast about it. Mm-hmm. And that's, so there's, this is, is inbuilt in most of us. Even if we weren't brought up in a religious household, it's, it's, in, our, it's in the community traditions around us. 
And therefore, I find a lot of senior managers and organizations are loath to shout too loud about some of the things that they're doing. But I think there's a big difference between Gronya Madden giving some of her post-tax income to a charity of her choice mm-hmm. and Gronya Madden as, say, a, a MD of a, of a major company, particularly if it's a listed company with shareholders, spending that company's money. Because if I'm spending their money, I think it needs to be creating a, a benefit for the business too. So there needs to be that kind of loop back into the business, whether that's good PR, whether it's more motivated staff, whether it's maybe business opportunity, actually, because what we're seeing more and more is that this is melding into not just being a charity add-on extra, but actually something that's part of the business. Mm-hmm. So it's it's what you do in the business also creates the, the benefit for society. So, yeah, I think it can be and maybe should be PR, but I think yeah, it's, it's approach with, with care. And PR that is simply a badge, or, you know, it's simply a stamp on something, we're given a bit of money, which if it doesn't make sense, there was um, a, a, an academic and consultant actually as well called Kelly McElhaney and a number of years ago, I think back 2008, she published her research into some of these programs and she found the consumers, if they could see a link between the, the, the charity element and the business doing well out of it, actually liked it because they got it. Yeah. It made sense to them. Mm-hmm. and they were more likely to engage with it. There's also some very interesting recent research actually done by um, one of the PhD students in Trinity and the, um, the professor who was until literally until this week um, head of the, of the part-time MBA program, which looked at volunteers, company, you know, employee volunteers yeah. and their attitudes towards um, volunteering and actually quite a negative perception initially in terms of being asked how it had benefited the company. So you have to be quite careful how you approach it. It's a particularly interesting piece of research, but there's this idea of it needing to be pure and not benefiting that I think is holding back a lot of organizations from really getting maximum results from it. You know, and if you get better yeah. results for the company, you get better results. So, you know, it, it should be mm-hmm. a win for everybody involved. Yeah. And if it's well aligned. Yes. And, that's and do you think that now you see more and more CSOs being put in place? for the sustainability factor. And I know one, um, I'm quite friendly with a CSO in a large uh, multinational. And part of her remit is not just, you know, compostable coffee cups and, you know, the whole looking at the logistics workflow for carbon emissions and things like that. She's looking at the CSR is also under her remit. Okay. Do you think that that's something that's going to become more and more common? Um, I, I think it makes sense that it would. Mm-hmm. because there's there's just such a huge link in terms of being a sustainable business as well as being a, a corporately responsible business I mean if you're it doesn't matter what you're doing in terms of maybe some of your social impact programs if actually you're you're ruining the planet in the meantime it makes no sense whatsoever so it's it's good to hear that I mean it's certainly my experience for for, for years has been that the type generally speaking it's the people who are in charge of communications and PR actually often get the the CSR, the CSR but yeah um I've, I've had some different ones which has been interesting and sometimes I've had people maybe more operationally or more mm-hmm. finance driven which is, has actually been great yeah um but I do think it does make a lot of sense um but there's, I suppose there's such a huge focus on sustainability I'd also be a little bit worried that maybe sometimes that message could get lost as well mm-hmm. that it would just become purely sustainability but we're it's going to all meld together and we're mm-hmm. seeing that more and more with things like you know environmental social governance investing um, we're seeing huge moves in terms of how the investing um, world is changing and adapting for this. And we're, you know, the whole EU Green Deal that is really pushing 
that there's transparency around what companies are doing. So actually, this, this brings it to another level for companies to really access capital cheaply. They're going to have to be acting responsibly and demonstrating yeah. their acting responsibly. So it's, a, I think, a huge shift in what's happening. Um, and do you think that that's that's linked also? Sorry to interrupt you. Do you think that's linked also to the rise of the B Corp? Um, I'm, I'm yeah, I'm not sure. Or do you think they're yeah. still two very separate things, and this is just something that the everyday business or organisation can do? I think that the B Corp movement has a, has a way to go. In terms, I think it's. I mean, I think it's. It's obviously. I, 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 fully behind it and think it's excellent and and this whole idea of I, I think having to take responsibility for various stakeholders and to consider your impacts all of that just to my mind just makes sense you know mm -hmm. to my mind, it's kind of why would any business not do it um so yeah it's an it's an interesting one um i i think maybe more fundamentally and and i think b Corps may well benefit from this as well is i, I think things like the sustainable development goals um again if if i kind of go back to what I was saying at the beginning about the move from expecting governments to sort all the problems out yeah. or expecting charities to step in and do it. Mm -hmm. I think sustainable development goals for the first time really explicitly included business as part mm -hmm. of, the, of the solution as well as being part of the problem. Um, and, and I think that has, has made a, you know, a absolutely incredible shift in how we view this stuff. So I think that is, is really a positive and will probably enable maybe more business to think about uh, B Corps certification and whether that's a, a good place for them to be. I mean, I think any of those kinds of certifications are useful in as far as they impose a discipline within the organization. I, you know, I, I don't think they make a huge difference just by having a badge. Mm -hmm. um, but and and equally, even with um, corporate social responsibility reporting or indeed, you know, sustainability reporting, whatever you like to call it, um, in many ways, its major benefit to an organization is that it imposes a discipline and measurement mm -hmm. and you know you're going to be you know if you're doing it right yeah and you're yeah. not just cherry picking the nice bits that, that worked well this year and we just ignore the fact that actually our, our water pollution figures aren't so good this year um you know if you're doing it correctly and you're doing yeah. it in a way it's comparable year on year mm -hmm. it does create a discipline in the organization because mm -hmm. people know that that's going to be measured it's going to be publicly reported so i think that's that's where a lot of those kinds of programs be it your own reporting or be it an external audit company coming in to, to, to look at what you're doing, I think they do help you enormously to move the bar. Mm -hmm. And also, of course, when you have certification companies, it helps you to do um, a bit of uh, benchmarking. Yes, and yeah, totally. Yeah, mm -hmm. which tends to be a big thing with most with most corporate managers. They want to know how, how, how are we doing against, you know. Of course, and that, and that drives it because you bring in the competition element as well. Like, yeah, for sure. Um, so, I mean, you work a lot with uh, with the universities and MBAs and things like that. So you talk a lot to, you know, the next generation of leaders and things like that. So, you know, over, over the last 18 months, you know, it seems that CSR is in, in the news a lot. And is that really driven by the next generations, the Gen Zs and the millennials that are already in some of the management positions already? Is that really driven by their interest and seeing this as an opportunity to continue to move the needle? Oh, I think it's driven by lots of things. I think that certainly has been a big driver. I think it's been a big driver for a while, actually. Yeah. I mean, I've been hearing certainly for the last six, seven, eight years, you know, that um, when interviewing, particularly interviewing, say, younger, you know, potential employees and graduates, 
that often that's the question they're asking mm -hmm. at the interviews. You know, what do you do? How do you what do you do to make the world a better place? Um, what you know, it's it's they're very they are very focused on that. Yeah. And I've seen companies actually kind of being brought round to engaging in programs because they they've got have something to talk about actually. Yeah. At the, okay. at the interviews, yeah. which is why I, need, I think that needs to be as well approached with care. It needs to be properly embedded in the company philosophy and in terms of the strategy. And, you know, and this is, I suppose this is where my passion is, is around aligning it with company strategy and making yeah. it a win for the company. So it's not just a charity add on. Um, and I find that can be quite, that can be quite a, a challenging conversation, actually, because there is this element of then it's not pure. Um, and, um, but I think there's huge opportunities for companies to do that well when they do think about strategy and they align well with the strategy and they, they enter into good partnerships just to, and they do their due diligence just as they would do if they were entering into a, a major commercial partnership. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that they have, they have the real ability to not just make an impact on the particular cause that they're getting involved in, but also to have a huge impact back on their own organization and on the people in their organization. So, you know, it, to, to go back to, I was very critical about the painting of the homeless shelters. And there's a reason why, because there's that kind of volunteering, a lot of the time, it doesn't actually have a social impact. It may have a great um, employee kind of bonding, it might be a great for a team day out, mm -hmm. but are you actually doing any good, you know? and um, it, you know, I've 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 heard um, talk of, and I have been. People have told me they have witnessed the painting wall in some charities, which is there to shocking. Which, yeah, just to, it's well, it's because they have to limit the damage. Yes, because if, unless unless you're a painting and decorating contractor, you're probably not doing good, do a great job. Yeah, sorry, you yeah. know. Um, and you know, I know of another organization which will remain nameless, but which actually had a, a team of, of professional decorators on hand who were brought in the following day to put stuff right. Now, the danger there is your staff find out and that's completely undermined them. Whereas so much better if you can get staff involved in things which actually do develop their them career-wise, give them extra skills or give them extra confidence. Mm -hmm. Um you know, I remember actually a number of years ago training a middle management team in, in financial services organization that was being pushed. I mean, God loved them. They 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 felt they were being pushed by the people they, who reported them, and they were being pushed by their senior management team. They were totally the squeeze middle, yeah. <laughs> but in corporate terms. And you know, discussing what could be done. And one of the one of the people just you know spoke up and said, you know, we're part of of junior achievement, which you know people don't seem to know about. It doesn't seem to be well publicised in the organisation. Which said, I got involved, and you know, said, I'm quiet. I'm shy. I don't like standing up and doing presentations. Mm -hmm front of my team but so it was brilliant you know I got a chance to to do these things and be you know be given a bit of help and yeah uh, learn how to do it and try it out with a bunch of, of young kids and and find that I was making a difference yeah. so you know it's it's people don't I think often look at some of the skill development that can happen through um such encounters through well-designed programs as mm -hmm. I keep on saying it, it needs to be designed that it has actually a link with the, with the company strategy um and but you know you you can get back and staff can get back and they can get back a much a much more long lasting, uh, warm fuzzy feeling actually than just the we went and painted and had a great day out in the barbecue at the end of the day. Yeah, and do you think that CSR is something that really everyone should aspire to have within their within their strategy, whether you are a solopreneur that's starting out or whether you're a big international conglomerate with your stakeholders? Is CSR accessible to everybody? Yeah, well, see, if, if I go back to it, just it's really about how you run the business. So if it's about running a responsible business, absolutely. 
you know, that's that should be the bottom line for all of us is that yeah. we're being responsible in the way we run our business. And we're, we're thinking about the different stakeholders we have in our business. That's right across the board to do we pay, pay our suppliers on time? Are we making sure that, you know, our employees have, um, you know, proper health and safety? They've got access to sanitizer and PPE. That's yeah. been a big deal over the last yeah. 18 months or so. And um, I know a lot of the you know whistleblower complaints that are coming in in terms of Speak Up Helplines have been around the fact that staff have felt they've been exposed to danger. Mm-hmm. You know, that's irresponsible. So a lot of it goes back to just, you know, are you responsible in terms of how you run your business? Are you a responsible mm-hmm. employer? Are you responsible to your customers? Are you responsible to your, um, to your suppliers and so on? Mm-hmm. And do you pay your taxes? Are you responsible to the state and the government? You know, mm-hmm. all of those things are around being, being a responsible business. Mm-hmm. And then I suppose the, if you like, what we would typically see as the CSR program, but I would say that is embedded across all those is maybe then the add-on as well. What else can I do that's going to actually look at a cause, make some kind of shift in it, but also benefit my business? Because the reality is if you're just doing a kind of charity thing where you're doing a bit of a giveaway, um it won't last yeah because as soon as things get tight that's the first budget that will get cut of course but if you're doing something that actually has a benefit back to the business Mm -hmm. and you can you know you can actually demonstrate that okay you get greater employee engagement so you're getting greater performance for employees or you're you've got you know customers are engaged by it then it's not going to it's not going to be dropped in the same way and that's actually a very important thing because lots of you know just bits and pieces of of charity stuff um, that is not actually sustained yep. is very difficult for not-for-profits to do it because you know for, for charities to do it because they don't then have any sight of you know a three-year or a four-year mm-hmm. or five-year plan that they yeah. can rely on you for yeah um, so i think it's i think yes it, it is it is possible for everybody and it'll be at different levels for different people one of my big frustrations actually is that if you like in the designing of a a, a social impact program if you like the sort of typical csr of what we yeah. might called CSR is I tend to find it's the larger companies that will come to me and you know who often have actually such great resources anyway um, and yeah. I'd love to be doing more with this much smaller companies I you know I really believe that even if it's a you know a, an owner managed business with maybe 15 staff and mm-hmm. um, I think you still got possibilities of having real gains for that business which also have a social impact and you know you you've got the gains in terms of your reputation particularly yeah, locally yeah. you've also got the gains in terms of your employee engagement mm-hmm. and potentially your customer engagement and they're the ones i don't tend to see and they they tend to be the ones that maybe go with the old standards or or they're doing it very quietly they're still in that quiet phase of mm-hmm. you know get money to vincent de paul every year which is great and you know i'm not saying yeah. stop it but you know or they they support the local ga team or the, you know those sort of those kind of typical kind of things but they maybe have never thought about well could is there something we could do that would actually benefit the business as well as making a difference to people who need that difference made um, yeah covid well, kind of brought that, some interesting examples didn't it people yeah. kind of businesses that kind of you know I, there were businesses went there alcohol businesses that started making sanitizer. oh yes um brew dog did hand sanitizer yeah. and things yes you know um, now, okay, that's you could argue they were making a profit on that. At least I think they were. I don't think they were giving it away. But I'm sure fine. not. But that's fine. But that's fine. Like that's that's great. You know what mm-hmm. they did is they found a social need that you know need and, mm-hmm. and they pivoted really fast to be able to address it when we desperately needed it. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know that's great. I think that's absolutely brilliant. It doesn't always have to be about the giveaway. It can mm-hmm. be that's you know what we call shared value. The Porter and Kramer shared value, which is a term that a bit like CSR gets thrown around an awful lot and actually not used properly many of, mm-hmm. most of the time. But real shared value is when the business actually does 
benefit, you know, does gain and does make a profit from what they do to actually alleviate the social problem. Very interesting. Yeah, I, th I love that, you know, it's accessible in so many different forms, but at the end of the day, it's all about the greater good and the contribution. And I think that what's really missed in when people talk about CSR, they think about the charity projects, but they don't think about the social contribution and the employee engagement and how that and that factor of it. And I think that for the key takeaway from, from this discussion is really that that's what's accessible. And that's what, you know, start small, think of your contribution. How can you engage your employees in the greater good and small steps to then build up to something? I think yeah. that's a really nice way of looking it at it. It builds the company strategy. Yeah. It's not just some sort of separate thing over there, which is totally separate from what we actually do as a business. Yep. There should also, I think, be that, that business link as well. Yeah, should be definitely married together. So the last uh, question for you today you know, the, this podcast series is called Dream Reality. And so the, the question that I ask all of, all of my guests is, move it, looking forward to the future, how do you dream, how would you love to see CSR evolve going into the future? And then, you know, where's the reality check? How do you think it will actually evolve? Um, I think what I would love to see in an ideal world is that we never use the term CSR again because we don't have to because all all businesses simply that's what they do is that that's are. awesome I love that that's you know I think that's that's your ideal okay mm -hmm. um and I suppose like saying that we'd like to see that all people are always well behaved and you know don't break the law and stuff it's probably idealistic <laughs> so it's not going to happen but I do think we are seeing a substantial shift um and as I say I think a lot of that the shift's coming, there's a number of different pressure points that are creating mm -hmm. um, the shift. And I suppose the biggest pressure point is climate change and the recognition that actually we've got a limited time to save this planet. Yeah. And in fact, my belief is that the only, the, the, if you don't have business as one of the constituents looking to, to help do that, we have lost it. Mm -hmm. It's an absolute necessity that business is involved in, in that particular solution finding. Um, I think allied with that is what I mentioned earlier on about the shift to, you know, follow the money. Yeah. Um, and I think that's always been an important one, because if it's if it's a case between follow the money or be good. Business is, not, is set up to follow the money. That's how we're Absolutely. set up. Absolutely. You know, mm -hmm. um, so I think that that that's a significant shift as well. I, I had a I had a real hope during the financial crisis that we were at a tipping point that we were, there was a lot of talk, you know, at the worst depths of the financial crisis that we had to find a new way of doing business, that this was going to change things forever. And then it suddenly seemed we went back to business as usual. Yeah. And it didn't have that shift. And this time, um, I'm hopeful that we were working out that we don't have that option. COVID has been a dramatic shock. Mm -hmm. um, I think there's a recognition that it has actually benefited some businesses hugely and maybe again has actually increased inequality. Um, so we're seeing, you know, the likes of Bezos and some of his, you know, his, his contemporaries who are, you know, have it's just, it's just filled their bank accounts even more. Yeah. And other people, as we know, have lost their jobs and lost their homes. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think that there's going to be less tolerance of that, you know, this, the, the increased inequality. That's to my mind, actually, along with climate change, the increase in inequality in, in yeah. society is is the biggest problem which shouldn't be happening you know the whole point of i suppose developing 
as economies and societies is that they, there should be, it should be better for more people. Mm-hmm. It's always been the way, you know, parents have always wanted things to be better for their children than it was for Absolutely. Them. And we're actually not seeing that right now. And I think that's really worrying. So I, I think we have a way to go, but I'm kind of, I am hopeful that there's been enough shocks that it actually shunts people into a different way of thinking and it, it shunts businesses into a different way of thinking. But I think we also then need to think about some of our structures and how they're set up and things like, you know, the corporate governance fiduciary structures, you know, if, if shareholders are, are have to be primary, well, you know, now I would argue that you still, shareholders still gain if the company looks after reputation and make sure they're engaged employees and all of those things. But I think maybe we need to have a more stakeholder view mm-hmm. that, that boards are, are actively encouraged to engage in. Um, and I think that we, yeah, we need to think about, I suppose, as inequality is, is, a, is a really, really big one. Um, but I'm just hoping that we, that COVID has maybe given us an, another kind of poke in the eye to say, get a move on. You're, yeah, you're sort this out. Yeah, you're falling asleep the wheel here. Um, you know, and how quickly we can change. And also how quickly, as you said at the very beginning, look how quickly we did change. Yeah, I mean, very, very fast, very fast. And, you know, I think the, the example that I always use is, you know, people who were completely, they hated technology could barely use a mobile phone, sitting ordering their shopping online now, having Zooms with with relatives on the other side of the world that they haven't spoken to in five years. Mm -hmm. And it's really changed. And now it's become very normalized. Mm -hmm. And, but that change, it took a shock to make that change. I was talking to, a, I, I deliver a lot of training for, for clients and I was talking to a, an associate of mine that we were actually d- designing a training course, designing it on Zoom, which of course we never thought of doing before. We always thought yeah. we had to go and meet up to do it before. Mm-hmm. And, um, but we were both just saying how, you know, if this hadn't happened, it probably would be another four years, three yeah. years before we'd actually have got our act together and said, you know, we, we'd do it on Zoom. the edges. We talked to people about online programs and, the, and it was all about the difficulty of online programs. But it's amazing when you have to. And it was literally for me, it was, I went from the 12th of March to the 13th of March, giving a six hour lesson on Zoom. God love those poor students. Um, but we had no choice to change it at that point. It was, we just had to go from one day to the next. And you know what? Yeah, we all survived. <laughs> we did. We're still here to tell the tales. Great war stories in that. Absolutely. Well, look, I, I also, I asked for a couple of recommendations. So do you have a book or a podcast that you would like to recommend to us? I was laughing when you said you were asking about the recommendations um, because most people, you know, I, I sort of give the business book um, or whatever that, 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 that is their recommendation. I'm actually a huge um, fan of fiction. I read an awful lot of fiction and, you know, I'll have the business books in my Kindle as well, but I'll find myself constantly skipping back to mm-hmm. fiction. And I think there's something in it that is important. Um, and, and I like to, it's, it's actually interesting. I always find that I really um, get a lot more from business people who do actually also read fiction. I don't, so I think there, is, there is some academic studies on that that say that you should alternate business fiction, business fiction because of the left brain, right brain and the way that um, your knowledge is being retained within your, within your memory. And so there is some uh, academic literature out there that says you alternate them. Well, I, I, I think you learn an awful lot from fiction about people. And essentially that's what it comes down to at the end of the day, isn't it? Business is all about people as well. So my two favorite novels, and they're both really long reads actually, 
Um, the first one is Bikram Seth, The Suitable Boy. Okay. I think it's the most wonderful, wonderful book. And it's, um, it's, it's, I, it was probably my introduction maybe as well to India and to Indian politics. And mm -hmm. um, so I just think it's a fantastic book. Another one that's also a, a long read and has harrowing moments in it as well, as does A Suitable Boy, is A Little Life. Um, and I, I never get the author's name. I had to write it down here. Hanya Yangihara. Yang um, a fantastic, fantastic book, which will stay with you for a very long time after reading it. I will it, so. be looking those up. I, <laughs> you know, I struggle with fiction because I like a really good read, but I've, I've found that recently a lot of things have just been too light or, you know, I like, I love to be immersed in it. And so I am definitely, those are two great recommendations. They're, they're, they're sure. working immersed in. <laughs> yeah, that's going to keep me busy. That's it. Work is on the shelf I'm, I'm reading now um and then lastly uh, a song that if you're just having one of those days and you just need a little pick me up what what is your go-to little tune my favorite again my favorite song of all time um it's my life by talk talk oh very good mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. very good great choice there that's my that's my my go-to always mm -hmm. yeah lovely lovely look Gronya, it has been a fantastic conversation there's so many more things, you know, you've just made me think about, you know, we could talk about the funding, about some of the stuff that's been going on in America with the, the CEOs getting involved and in local social issues. And there's so much other stuff, but I think that we've had a great introduction to CSR. You've really explained it in a really understandable way and really made it accept, accessible to all sizes of business and really the, I think the, the understanding that it is not necessarily throwing money at a charity, which is very good, but it's more about how can you contribute? How can you, you know, get involved? How can you embrace your employees and help your employees so that they get a benefit and you can, you can improve the social good? And I think that, you know, you've really translated that over into a very clear kind of roadmap so that people can embed that in their strategy and I really I'm very very thankful for your for your time this morning oh great to talk to you Alison you take care thank you so much